0: For the sane and the liberty aware, the idea of vaccine coercion, giving people a choice between societal participation or not taking the shot, is an overtly totalitarian-esque move. But that's what's happening in 2021. This is Freedom is the Cure, and I'm Paul Dragu. Does it feel like the walls are closing in on anyone who refuses the COVID-19 shot? Within the last few months, more and more institutions have announced that they will require the jab. In June, Morgan Stanley announced that unvaccinated employees or clients will not be allowed in its New York City office. Several universities over the last few months have announced that students need to be vaccinated if they want to attend. And all over the country, hospitals, medical systems are requiring employees to be COVID vaccinated. The U.S. military is also working on requiring the jab, all that pending FDA approval. And even entire countries are getting on the act. Canada won't let unvaccinated Americans in, and the French are implementing a health passport for its citizens. How nice of them. It looks like this is where it's going, folks. And apparently, over a disease with a death rate of nearly zero for anyone under 70 and under 1% for those over 70. This is probably what drives me nuts most. Let's forward the moment get past the fact or overlook the fact that a large segment of the world can't even see the liberty implications of this sort of thing. And let's just look at the disease. Again, COVID-19 has proven to kill a very small percentage of people and almost everyone fully recovers. I understand it's not benign. I've had it and I know many who have had it. It's not the flu. I disagree with anyone who sees it that way. This thing can be a total butt kicker. And there are long haulers, there are those who it took a very long time to get over it, and some may have still not gotten over it. I get that. But it does not merit overhauling society. This disease does not merit what we've done, the actions we've taken. We decimated businesses from coast to coast over this thing. We put the already rising problem of depression, substance abuse, and suicide in hyperdrive over so-called mitigation efforts. There are reports also showing that this increased poverty, the things that we did. And not only that, as anyone who's gotten past the establishment propaganda knows, there are proven treatments. This is another aspect of, of what's going on in this world that is absolutely insane. Most of the measures were unnecessary, and part of that is because the treatments already exist. People are taking them. Uh, They're working for those who are taking them. When everyone in my family came down with the Rona, and thanks to me, we took a mixture of hydroxychloroquine, azitromycin, and zinc as soon as we realized that we had it. And I'm not a doctor, and I'm not telling you what you should do if you get COVID-19. All I'm saying is the person who made sure we had medicine on hand and that particular medicine is a doctor. And that medicine was cheap, It was cheap and it took care of my family, did what it was supposed to, and God bless him for what he did and God bless all those other doctors who are providing real treatments and who are living up to their Hippocratic oath. Now, furthermore, this is another very concerning aspect about this, that there are plenty of reports of people with adverse reactions to the shot. A couple episodes back, I had a long conversation with Dr. Lee Merritt, who has been very outspoken about her position on the emergency use of COVID-19 shots. And she thinks they're harmful. And she thinks that it's only a matter of time before the cat is out of the bag. She mentioned the VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Reporting System, to support her view. In an article that she wrote for The New American, she cited a huge uptick in vaccine-related reports in the VAERS. I can see why she's alarmed. Nevertheless, what we're discussing today is freedom. What we're discussing is the freedom to participate in society without having to be coerced into an experimental shot that came out about three hours ago because that's what's happening right now. And pretty soon, those who refuse the shot, they're going to find themselves that can't go to a concert, you can't go to a bar, you can't go to school. This is this is insane. And I'll be talking to Robert Owens, who's an attorney, he's a JBS field coordinator, and he's the host of Constitution Corner, as well as Wayne Morrow, I'll be talking to him, and he's our vice president here at the JBS. And Peter Rakowski, our research associate. We're going to discuss uh, some of the legal ramifications, the options, what people can do, what you can do as far as canceling out some of, some of these mandates and being able to live a free life.
1: But before we start yammering away, check this out. Have you ever heard someone say, the system's broken? Sure you have. Well, it's not true. America's founders created a brilliant governing system that prevents us from having kings, queens, dictators, and even czars. We the people can replace every elected official in a span of six years if we so choose. Here at the John Birch Society, we believe the only way to liberty, prosperity, and national sovereignty is not only understand what's in our founding documents, but demand that every elected official adheres to them. The reason we have a ballooning, reckless, and corrupt government is because elected officials aren't following the Constitution. The John Birch Society is principled, coordinated, effective activism. We believe the Constitution is the solution. Join JBS and change America. Visit JBS.org or call 1-800-JBS-USA1 to get involved. That's JBS.org.
0: Wayne, Peter, and Robert, thanks for joining me. Good morning. Um, Morning. All right. Peter, are you there? (laughs) Good morning, Paul. So uh, more and more institutions are announcing mandatory vaccines uh, from universities to hospitals to entire countries like Canada and France. And we also learned that when the FDA approves it, they want to get it mandated in the military. So I want to like start out with this open question. Does anyone, anyone here remember or knows of, of a time there has been such a push with such drastic implications for mandated vaccines?
2: I would say, first of all, it was probably done back in the uh, early 1900s when the smallpox epidemic, that's the same. Smallpox? That's the same, smallpox. Yeah, that's uh, the that same idea. They went door to door. And I know that uh, Robert, speak to that. That's went up to the Supreme Court with Jacobson versus the state of Massachusetts. Um, that's probably, they cite that as a historical uh, document and a reference on where they use mandatory vaccines to protect the goods. But we get into that, but I could think of that
1: yeah.
2: as one case of where they use the smallpox vaccine as where we are today, as a matter of fact.
0: I mean, cause we're talking about, for instance, you know, universities are saying you can't attend school and it was to that same degree.
2: Well, I don't know that specifically, but I know they're trying to uh, force in companies. Uh, it's, they're really, they're really torn in corporations. Um, uh, because the EEOC said, yeah, co- companies can do this. And, but if they're FDA approved, then it's a lot easier. So I think right now, uh, they're waiting for the, I call it the gene therapy. Um, to get FDA approval, when that happens, I think it'll make it a lot easier for companies to request that. Although, there's still—I'll defer this to Robert our, our JD—is uh, they they defer back to you know Amendment Four as well as 14, what what the term "reasonable" means, and that's where it gets hanged up for religious exemptions uh, and or. Um, uh, um, health concerns why you can't take the vaccines, and they cite that as a legitimate issue. But I think they're going to push the envelope, and, and I I think that's what our conversation is about this morning. Uh, but the debate's on, and um, it, it'll be interesting to see what really happens with the general public while, when they go door to door. Remember, there is a, some history in that, that's in 1905, and I encourage people to look that up back in the Supreme Court ruling, and vaccines were mandatory back in the smallpox. Very similar situation, and it's repeating itself. That period in general, there was a big push to
3: delegate power from state legislators and from individuals and delegate that power to health boards and other unelected health bureaucrats. So that Supreme Court decision and the mandatory vaccinations then was a Part of that,
0: Robert. Do you know anything about that case that uh, Wayne brought up? Yeah, so it
4: uh, it made its way uh, all the way to uh, the Supreme Court as to whether or not they could uh, enforce mandatory vaccines. And the Supreme Court said, "Yeah, absolutely, uh, you you can. It's a uh, you know legitimate function of a public health service uh, of government, and uh, on that basis, uh, they uh, they enforce the band- mandatory vaccines." I think Wayne. You know, pointed out that you know really the two areas that you can uh, defeat the mandatory nature, and that's uh, under Title Seven. Uh, there's uh, aspects of a religious exemption and a health uh, exemption that's really going to be probably the best grounds to uh, to stand on uh, going forward. I, I, I would say one other area that is is just really key uh, to this is that under federal law because the mRNA vaccine is subject to an EUA or an emergency use authorization, right in the federal law, it indicates that these these things can't be mandatory if they're subject to an EUA. and of course, they're being mandated anyway, but you know, in the in the or in the U.S code, it says that they can't be mandatory. Um, however, You know, they're obviously pushing very hard uh, to get full blown approval for it. And so I think it's critical that we fight on that ground uh, to slow down that process so that it uh, remains under an EUA because we're going to have much better, you know, litigation
0: emergency use, right? Emergency
4: use use authorization. We're going to have much better ground uh, to fight on while it's still under an EUA. Uh, and not nearly as good uh, once it uh, uh, switches over. So, I mean, this technology is new enough. There aren't any uh, long-term peer-reviewed studies. So there, there's a lot of, you know, really solid ground to fight on. But as we've seen historically, uh, whatever uh, legitimate medical testing <laughs> might be required, you know, sometimes goes right out the door in, uh, in many cases. So I, I, I think we really you know, want to focus our our membership and our activities and our our research on trying to defeat that as best as
0: possible. Are you saying that we should prevent it from getting FDA approval? Exactly. I think we also need to keep in mind that the Supreme Court gets a
3: lot of decisions wrong. And I would argue that Massachusetts versus Jacobson is one of those decisions. Uh, Also, uh, sort of related to that, Around the same time period, the Supreme Court ruled that forced sterilizations is constitutional as well. Oh, wow. So that's sort of around the same topic area of, you know, letting the government do things to your body against, against your will.
4: Yeah, Peter, Peter makes a good point here. I mean, you know, in Dred Scott versus Sanford, the Supreme Court said that black people weren't human beings, that they were chattel property. Uh, so, I mean, you, you know, the Supreme Court gets a lot of things wrong. Uh, and uh, I think we have to remember that as well. However, I guess having been 20 years in uh, in litigation, I have very little faith in the justice system to get things right, especially on the issues of, of personal freedom. And I think that the general trend has been to, you know, turn what used to be massive glaciers of rights that you could hang on to, uh, to basically little, you know, pockets of, of little pieces of flotsam and jetsam that you can occasionally get lucky enough to latch on to. Uh, but uh, it, it's a sort of a, a sad aspect as to the nature of how individual rights are now seen.
0: Well, speaking of that, on July 11th on CNN, Dr. Fauci, uh, he went on and he said, I do believe that at the local level, there should be more mandates. There really should be. We're talking about life and death. I am in favor of that. Now, obviously, this isn't the first time this dude has been dismissive. It doesn't seem like You know, and I don't know if I even have a question here. it's just a matter of like, it doesn't seem like he acknowledges or he's very dismissive of the liberty aspect of this. Uh, Is this because maybe he's a doctor or is it because, you know, does he have ulterior motives? Has anyone noticed like how how just dismissive and like nonchalant he is about
2: liberties? I just think he's uh, the voice of the deep state. I think he's all bought off. I suspect anything he says. I mean, his mandate is to get everybody vaccinated. So, uh, And everything we know about from the science, from physicians and patients who have received it, back in my medical life, uh, the product would have been taken off the market a long time ago. I mean, there's so many deaths and adverse events. There's no way that would continue on. So I don't even know how it's going to get FDA approved under the old guidelines, I don't see how that's possible. So what? they, they kind of suppress the uh, adverse events, but there's so much out in the internet of people with neurological diseases, skin rashes, loss of hearing, you know, list goes on. Bleeding. Uh, even death, even death, uh, young and old. Um, how, how do you bury all that? That's going to be hard. So I think he's just a mouthpiece for max vac- uh, vaccinations and, you know, and, and Just basically the goal is agenda 2030. Just get rid of people. (laughs) Fauci's attitude really shows and the attitude of, you know, the other
3: members of the political elite. They show how how little they regard the Constitution, individual freedom.
0: That's that's what's so crazy. Like, do you guys remember that that fiery exchange he had with Jim Jordan? and essentially his answer was the same cuz Jim Jordan was like what's the number what's this secret number like when we, when can we start you know uh being free essentially and his answer is always the same. It's like mm-hmm. it doesn't even register. This this li- this notion of liberty is, is so foreign to him. At least it seems like when I watch these exchanges, like he just shrugs it off like he's so beyond that. And that's what drives me crazy. But, you know, speaking of doctors uh, at the New American and even uh, last podcast, we interviewed a doctor, uh, Dr. Lee Mayer. we've been we've reported on and we've heard of lots of pushback from doctors and very credible doctors including Dr. Lee Mayer, but does anybody know if this was the case with, with smallpox or, or measles or these other uh, vaccines that we have in a way, these have been mandated, right? If for, for kids to get in a school, right? The smallpox and the measles.
4: Yeah, so Paul, I, I don't recall uh, the exact names of doctors, but uh, we, ha- we have a physician uh, here in Ohio uh, by the name of Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, uh, and she's done some tremendous research on uh, the history of uh, of vaccinations, who's been pushing them, uh, lack of long-term studies on on all of those things. So uh, I believe uh, Sherry Tenpenny's. she's got a website, Uh, all of that uh, information uh, is available there. And she's a a real tremendous authority on sort of the the history of vaccinations. Uh, And uh, we've hosted her for, know a number of speaking events uh, on these types of issues connections with autism uh, and others there's actually a vaccine court a special court that uh, is set up for vaccine injuries Uh, and so she has uh, a lot of the data associated uh, with that court and I mean the court has specifically made awards for families whose children you know, became autistic through a vaccine injury. So, uh, I mean, there's a a definitive legal connection uh, between uh, those things going forward. So um, I I, I think really in general, you know, a lot of times they'll point to vaccines and say, well, look at, you know, the decline of these diseases with regard to the implementation of the vaccine. But uh, one of the things that she points out is, well, look at the improvements in you know, uh, you know, basic health systems like sewage systems, clean water, all of those types of things. Uh, and so, you know, we can also attribute, you know, better health effects to having clean water, having better source systems, having better waste disposal uh, systems uh, as well. And so I, I think there's a multitude of reasons and it's not quite as simple as some of the, uh, the graphs that the so-called experts offer.
0: Robert, you had mentioned F- that the best thing to do is to stop the FDA approval. How does the regular citizen do something like that? From, from my understanding, it's like we don't really have a say in that, right? That's an, an internal process. Or am, do I misunderstand something? Yeah, no, it's, a, it, it's an internal process. You know, however, I mean, Congress does have
4: you know, a, a role in how FDA works, right? And so if FDA is going to suspend rules, change rules, all of those types of things, that can be subject to congressional uh, intervention in that, uh, in that process. And so, you know, there, of course, you know, we have to uh, deal with the, the current setup in Congress, which is uh, quite unfortunate, not likely to be terribly responsive on those issues. However, we do have a midterm election coming up. Uh, and I think it, it, it's critical, just absolutely critical, if not essential, uh, that our members be very active in that midterm election uh, to uh, educate others as to uh, what these folks in Congress are doing, how they're voting, and what expectations are, are going to be made. Uh, when I think what's likely to happen is we'll you know, sweep out uh, Nancy Pelosi from leadership at the House and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see somebody like uh, Jim Jordan become the next Speaker uh, of the House. Ideally, we'd see Thomas Massey become Speaker of the House, but, uh, you know, Jim will be a, a significant improvement over Nancy uh, in, uh, in that respect. And, and I think in that instance, we could see some effective ways to uh, prevent the FDA from taking a number of shortcuts uh, on the vaccine.
0: Well, with the military, if they want to get, I believe it's September 1st. Peter, do you remember that article? Yeah, I think around September. Now, Robert, are mandatory vaccines, regardless of previous rulings in favor or not in favor of, are mandatory vaccines, are they constitutional?
4: Yeah, so I I mean, I can't really see anywhere in the Constitution where the federal government uh, has any sort of authority to to do that you know i mean look at article one section eight i mean does it say anything about vaccines in there i don't think so
0: oh health does it say anything about health mandate you know for the public health the collective good or whatnot because no, i've never no. read anything in there like that
4: no 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 i mean you, you know you'll have uh the general welfare clause that's taken out of context uh voted mm-hmm. by uh some with the the liberal left but uh i i think most constitutional scholars would know that that's uh completely out of context uh, a statement, you know, I, the question really is, well, can states do it? Because states do have, you know, a reserve general police power uh, that, uh, that exists. And so whether or not states can do it, I think that might be subject to each individual state's constitution. You know, a number of state constitutions have specific liberties, you know, carved out that would address these types of things that would prohibit mandatory vaccinations from, uh, from coming into play. So depending on the state that you're in, I think that there's probably a good argument. You know, even the state couldn't uh, engage in a vaccination. But uh, in general, uh, I think the federal government is just an absolute no. There's no authority for that at all at the state level, potentially, uh, but, you know, really sort of depending upon each individual state constitution.
0: That's probably why Fauci says more mandates at the local level. They know that's that's the only way it's getting through, yeah. right, Wayne?
2: Yeah. Well, um, glad you said that. Um, so I'm reading here, um, effective June the fourth, that as you said, it is state state power. So while in many states issued, I read the note prohibiting inquiries about individuals having COVID nineteen vaccination status, Georgia has become the first to restrict public employers from requiring proof of COVID-19 vaccination as a condition of employment. And the governor said this, Kemp issued an executive order that, although a bit vague, essentially prohibits vaccine passports, meaning proof of vaccinations in the public sector. And he also restricts public employers from requiring their employees to get vaccine, COVID-19 vaccines as a condition of employment or treating unvaccinated employees differently or adversely, as compared to vaccinating employees. That's so that's one. The other one is where where Robert is in Ohio, Ohio lawmakers ban requiring COVID-19 vaccine at public schools and universities. And I think uh you spoke to that with me uh offline, Robert, that public schools in Ohio and universities couldn't require students or employees to be vaccinated against COVID-19 under a last-minute change to a bill sent to Governor Mike DeWine. So I think as usual, a lot of our members that hear this, and even non-members, is that we have a lot of power in our own states, states' rights, states, and that's the focus, because we know where the federal government's coming from. So I think it's good to see this, as we put pressure on state legislators to push back, even at, the, as you said, the local level, so we don't face uh, mandated issues. I think that was probably the problem they had in, back, in the, back in the Supreme Court ruling back in mass, because mass was all in and that he kept on moving it up to the Supreme Court. But uh, I'm kind of encouraged about reading that about Ohio as well as in Georgia. Yes, yeah, well, so I think that know.
3: there are I think there are some uh, valid constitutional reasons against the states uh, mandating vaccinations themselves. I mean, at the very least, the First Amendment would prohibit forced vaccinations if someone has a religious or conscientious objection to it. And I think someone could also make a fourth and 14th amendment objection to forced vaccinations and even vaccine passports. Mm-hmm. So I think that the Constitution would also restrict state governments, at least to a certain extent for mandating vaccinations.
0: Peter Wayne brought up Georgia, and, and that seems like a great example of how people, you know, can stop this. But I seem to remember there there are other stories, another was it states or or counties or even institutions who who banned who banned mandating vaccines. Does does any of that ring a bell?
3: Yeah, there have been a lot of states uh, this year that have prohibited vaccine passports. I mean, that includes uh, Montana, Texas, Florida, Iowa, North Dakota. Um, actually almost 20 states have banned uh, vaccine passports and mandatory vaccinations in some way, some form just this year. So the, so there's a lot of pushback, especially among the more conservative states against that.
0: So to reiterate, for those listening who are wondering what they could do, it sounds like one really important and effective thing we can do is lobby or urge state legislatures or, or, or governors, all of them, does that sound yeah, exactly,
3: and and not just in the you know more conservative states where the legislators are clearly inclined to uh, ban force vaccinations and vaccine passports, but also in the liberal states where the state governments, particularly the executive branches, are already implementing these sorts of things.
4: So in Ohio, you know, we, our members have been just tremendously active, and they sort of used a pressure from above pressure from below, borrowed it from the left to apply it uh, here. So on one hand we've got a, uh, a governor that's uh, you know Republican in uh, label, but a far left big government advocate has been his entire political career. Uh, and so what they've uh, done on one end is a they had already the legislature had already voted to curb his emergency powers. He vetoed that, his veto was overridden, and uh, you know our members were major catalysts in, uh, in making that uh, stick. In addition, our members have been very active in uh, promoting primary candidates uh, against the governor, so much so that the guy's now terrified to veto stuff. And in fact, when the uh, prohibition against uh, vaccine mandates with regard to universities and public school students uh, came up and passed uh, he had publicly said he would veto it previously but then didn't do so because he understood uh, what was going on and and as a result conservative legislatures are really emboldened to just start jamming a bunch of stuff through we've got a uh, constitutional uh, carry provision we've got another nullification of federal firearms provision. All of these things he would be inclined to veto, but because he's got a primary coming up, he's terrified to do so. So we're really pushing that through. And we've had at times 30, 40 members uh, at the state house testifying on bills and in uh, folks uh, in legislators' offices, meeting with legislators in the state house on the issue. And that level of activity has really spurred some fantastic thought processes. Uh, in fact, in one of the meetings that myself and a couple of the members had with the local state senator, uh, he said, "Well, you know what? this, you know, prohibition for universities and uh, public schools, this is within my mandate because he sits on the subcommittee for, Primary and secondary education, and so when the budget vote came up, he made an amendment to include that provision in there, and that's how we uh, were able to get that through before the uh, the summer break. So you know, when our members are active, tremendous things can come out of it, and I'm just so thrilled at the level of activity uh, that we've seen with active members uh, in Ohio. Well,
0: we have lots of members in in blue states, and uh, we did do a lot of talking about pressuring state legislatures and, and the governor and stuff like that. But what if, what about uh, someone who lives in a blue state? Do they have any recourse? Can we go down to all the, can, can we apply nullification down to the County or city level? Yeah. So I, I think the
4: answer is yes. And I'll give you an example in, uh, in Philadelphia, or I'm sorry, in Pennsylvania uh, they joke that, uh, you know, Pennsylvania has uh, Pittsburgh uh, has Philadelphia and then everywhere in between is Alabama. Uh, <laughs>
0: I've never heard that <laughs> That's good.
4: <laughs> so, you know, in, in those cases, uh, you know, our members are working with uh, local county commissioners and the sheriff as well to uh, get them educated up on these issues and see what they can do to have the sheriff uh, essentially agree to intervene and protect constitutional rights. And, uh, you know, essentially, at least within that county, oh, prohibit vaccine mandates. Now, that's going to be, a, you know, a battle you know, for sure. But uh, I I think anything that we can, you know, erect bulwarks for speed bumps on until we can otherwise get a larger solution, uh, that's okay. So I I think there are things that can be done uh, even in those blue states.
2: Back to what Robert said about the blue states. Uh, Those are Supreme Court ruled in reverse in 2020 against, against the logic of the Jacobson versus Massachusetts ruling on lockdown restrictions. Uh, you may recall the Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn was against Andrew Cuomo, and the, and the court decided that the state of New York violated constitutional rights for citizens wanting to safely gather in churches and synagogues during a pandemic. So the reason was a lockdown, of course, but businesses still open. So that would they reverse that, and it was a five to four decision. So there is some, that's interesting to see that for what it's worth it's it was it was good to see this you can push back in some of the blue states but i think the goal is as we've been saying and robert's got some good examples of that and i mentioned uh, georgia as well as here in ohio is that it's people have the ability to put pressure on state legislators and i think uh, that awareness emboldens people to know that they do have constitutional rights and uh, especially when with a, or the issue we have with uh, COVID-19 is that it's not as deadly as they say it is. It's 90 over 90 some, 99% recovery rate. But I think uh, in our New American Magazine article, it says that cure, cure was worse more than the disease. And luckily, uh, more physicians are speaking out about the effects of their patients. So I think that's all coming to a head. And I, I think uh, as we had our conversations before, this is pushing the envelope on uh, our constitutional rights and our bill of rights as citizens, uh, getting this used to oligarchy, big government ruling every aspect of our life. That's really the battle here. And yeah, the basket was uh, COVID-19. and But I think the battle is its freedom. And they use every little bit they can to impose more and more restrictions on our freedom. And that's what I think we're seeing here.
0: Well, what are you seeing on the ground? You travel a lot. What are you hearing from folks uh, as far as pushback or support and concern about
2: this issue? Yeah, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll give you my, what I've seen. And I'll defer to, to Robert as well, because he's out there with me. And I just see people angry. And I think we're going from being afraid to anger and frustrated. And there are people getting together, and uh, some are in rallies, some are in meetings. Uh, I see that, but it's not reported in the national media, so it sounds like it's muted. But you watch it and hear about it, and you can see that people are now getting activated because they know uh, it's go time. And you know our liberties are on the line and going after our families. So I think this is probably a good thing to get people out of the apathy of the years past. And uh, that's what I see. So I think people are very active pushing back and learning more about our constitution and our rights and dealing with legislation. That's what I'm seeing. And uh, Robert, you could probably speak to that too, um, some of your current experience as well, but that's what I see on my side.
4: Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you an example. We just had a uh, an opportunity a week and a half ago uh, to speak in Medina County, uh, Ohio. And uh, one of the things that I, I talk about ever uh, you know, I'm in front of a group. Is that uh, you know we've got to be not just about talking about the problems, but identifying solutions. And uh, one of the solutions that we have out there is that we've got to cut through the mainstream media chatter, the constant uh, deluge of lies, and get good information to our fellow citizens. So, John Birch Society has something called the 1106 program. Uh, 100 households that people should take individual responsibility for informing on a quarterly basis, uh, 10 opinion molders that we should create lists of, uh, people that are you know, business owners, religious leaders, those types of things that have a large sphere of influence on a monthly basis, we should be getting information to them and six recruits uh, as well that we're constantly working on to sort of bring into our fold of grassroots activists. And because the level of the quality of information that we have, especially on this issue, where you know there's a lot of people that are talking about these and saying, well, uh, you know, there's anecdotal stories here, there, the other place, but nobody can really define it. We're giving hard data, and we have board-certified uh, medical doctors and epidemiologists and experts in the field uh, that are uh, writing articles. And that gives people a level, uh, a sense of reliance that this is really solid information and data that they can get out uh, to others. So on this particular issue, especially with the mandates uh, that have uh, rolled through, I think our our information is absolutely first rate. It's appreciated the sense that we have first rate information that really nobody else has. And, and that gives us a, a huge competitive edge in terms of getting that out. So I did uh, you know, my speech, I talked about how, look, we are in essence the intelligence agency of the Liberty Movement. We've got the best information and the best action plan to do something with that information uh, because just simply being the best educated member of a concentration camp, not a position of honor, right? And we've got to do something uh, with this information and and shoot, I must have had I don't know four or five hundred pieces of uh, uh, of literature that I you know I trudged in and, and four loads to uh, before the speech. I carried my you know empty bag when I was done because everything was gone uh, from the table. So I I think that. You know, we provide a, a, a real sense of, of opportunity uh, for folks. Uh, our website, uh, our shopjbs.org website, uh, you know, people can order this stuff by the box load and, and get this stuff uh, out. And our resources are second to none.
3: We do a lot of legislative alerts on these issues as well. You know, the forced vaccinations, the vaccine passports, and you know, it's a very good resource for people to have, you know, to know what their state is doing, what their state government's doing, and to know what they can do to to counter some of the, uh, you know, anti-freedom uh, actions by the government, and also to push legislation that uh, promotes and expands freedom as well. And we already have a lot of legislative alerts on this issue. Uh, we have a legislative alert for all 50 states against vaccine passports and mandatory vaccinations. And we also have state alerts for several different states uh, arguing against the various vaccine passport schemes that they have, including in New York, California, Hawaii, Oregon, Louisiana, and New Jersey. And you know, as more states uh, promote these schemes, we'll be uh, sending out new alerts. And as legislation to roll back these uh, tyrannical... Uh, schemes get introduced, we'll be sending out alerts to promote that too. So, if anyone wants to see that, I encourage everyone to go to jbs.org under the Act Now tab and they'll see our legislative alerts there.
0: And they could also get them by text, correct?
3: That's right. Yeah, we send out <laughs> our legislative alerts by email and through text. Yes, I'm signed
0: up, by the way, and they're awesome. Now you went into was it one or two legislative alerts? You want to just get that out of the way and, and mention any other related uh, legislative alerts?
3: Well, the vaccine ones and the vaccine passport alerts are are really big right now. Uh okay. But we have alerts on all different types of topics that mm-hmm. are uh, you okay. know very relevant to to what we're seeing right now. Uh, one of them is the the infrastructure negotiations going on in Washington D.C. <laughs> I mean, the Democrats—they want to pack as much as as much of their extreme leftist agenda in these bills as possible, and they can pass uh, this through the reconciliation process, where they can bypass the filibuster. They don't even have to change the rules. Yeah. So they want to put in uh, amnesty for up to 10 million illegal aliens uh, in this bill. They want to put in a bunch of extreme environmentalist uh, agenda items that will you know, completely abolish uh, fossil fuels by 2030. Uh, they want to uh, pass the PRO Act, which is some extreme labor union bill, uh, which is also unconstitutional by the way. Uh, so it's very important that we uh, contact our legislators against this because if they can put all this in in this bill without even having to change the rules, I mean, what
0: what can't they pass? But what's that number again, for t- to get it by text, do you remember?
3: Uh, it's the, well, it's 1-800-JBS-USA-1. Whoa, yeah. Whoa. I mean, if you go to JBS.org, if you go under act now and see the legislative alerts, you'll see the number uh, right there. So I encourage everyone to go to JBS.org to see more information for signing up for legislative alerts.
0: Absolutely, And it's also included in the summary for this podcast. If you scroll down. So let's, uh, let's wrap it up here. Uh, we'll go to Robert and, and then Wayne and, and Peter for any last words.
4: You know, the, the, the key thing here is that uh, we've got the absolute best information going with uh, truly um, valid experts that can cut through CRUD. Um, people need to understand that if you are talking about the mRNA vaccine, there's a lot of stuff that is anti-vaccine, but just simply not true you know, you can discredit yourself very easily and then people will stop listening to you as a source of information uh, and truth. I, as a former trial lawyer, I knew my opening statement, I had to absolutely say things that I was gonna prove in the case. If, if I said something in opening statement and then I didn't prove it, I wouldn't be the, the truth teller uh, in court. And so, you know, I, I encourage people to make sure that when you're talking about this stuff, you're talking about it from a standpoint of truth and facts and really understanding the issue. We can't be spewing out crud that's anti vaccine, but just not true, right? So get the right information. And uh, thankfully, we've got a, a source at the New American uh, where you can say, look, here's board certified uh, doctors that are talking about it. They're eminently qualified uh, in this. Uh, you know, folks with you know, thousands and thousands of hours of, of research on, uh, on vaccinations and the mRNA technology that are discussing these issues. So uh, the key thing that I would say to folks that want to be active uh, in this process is get the right information, make sure that you are using discernibly accurate things and not stuff that just simply isn't true.
0: And so we do make available in the summary, the several issues of the new American uh, that talk about exactly you know, those topics, including the MRNA uh, vaccine.
2: All right, Wayne, what do you got? Well, just uh, round it out. You know, so the, our problem here is worldwide. I a couple examples. You probably saw the demonstrations in France and uh, interesting to see the people in the streets. Uh, you know, we talk about that as where it goes. And to bring it closer to home, I had a call this morning from one of our members in Canada. Are you talk
0: about the French uh, president, Macron?
2: Uh, yeah, exactly. He was uh, last week. There were people marching in the streets last weekend. Canadian. I had a call from our Canadian members. We have members uh, worldwide, by the way. I talked to our Canadian members this morning. He's passing out one of our Slim Jims about the, the, the mask and what a joke it is. We're references in the back. And he said it's been fun educating local Canadians where he lives, where he lives in the Ottawa area uh, in Ontario, waking people up to the facts of what goes on. And there are lots of resistance building, and even Canada, our neighbors, because they know what it is, and they are very happy. To Robert's point, that the Birch Society has given him information to pass out to other people he works with. She said, it's "So good to have." Information and truth to pass out because it's not available in any other place. So he's using it. So I just as we kind of thinking through this, the problem we have is worldwide in the birth society, it's not only the United States. We're reaching all corners of the earth, and um, our neighbors from Canada and our and our and we have members in Europe are using our materials even virtually, electronically, to wake people up to really the cause the battle for freedom this is what it's all about the battle for freedom and it's, it's good we're at such a time in history that we are you could be in a better place to be an advocate for freedom so it's it's wonderful to see people awakening that's what i'm seeing
0: Guys, thank you so much uh, for joining me. And for everyone listening, just uh, remember, go to JBS.org. We have lots of tools, uh, lots of resources, uh, lots of ways to get involved and learn. And then The New American has published a slew of articles from doctors and, and very credible people and, and writers on this topic. So thank you. And uh, till next time, guys.